Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Ruben's podcast, where I speak to people about their journey over the last decade. If you know me, there's a high chance you'll know many people on the show. So tune in to find out more about what they've been up to all these years and what they've learned along the way. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Juni. I met Juni back in 2010 in college, where we were classmates. And this conversation was the first time we were speaking since both of us graduated in 2013, which is almost seven years ago. Juni and I took very different paths after college. She went on to study further and got a PhD in economics. Through this conversation, she tells me about that journey and how she's changed along the way. At many points during our chat, I found myself in awe with this new version of her, and if you listen closely, you'll feel it too. Thanks for taking time, Juni. I know it's super early in the morning. You didn't have to wake up to do this, but it's like 8:30 in Paris right now. Yeah. Yay, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. So I think like we were just discussing uh before we started this conversation, Junia and I technically haven't spoken since 2013. You know, I I think we've been doing this conversation after 7 7 years. Like we've been in touch on Facebook on and off, but we haven't <laughs> spoken in person or like putting a face to the other at in in 7 years, which is crazy. <laughs> so I'm very excited about this. I was just like retracting your 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 life since we last were in the same room probably right which is 2013 very different to me you went to do a masters in economics and then you're currently doing like a phd in in france so why don't you I tell finished me finished one oh you finished your phd in france yeah wow. <laughs> yay so, so so why don't you tell me about how these last you know 7 years have been uh, very very briefly so that people are quickly up to speed on what you've been up to over this last decade yeah so i can't believe it's been 7 years because whenever i write down date i'm always i always go back to 2013 2015 i'm like ah oh, 7 years already <laughs> but um so over the years i finished my uh, bachelor's in stephens and then i moved on to do a master's at uh, paris school of economics i was here for 2 years and then i brief- briefly moved to washington dc uh for a consultant position with the world bank for around 6 uh, months and then i ended up getting a phd at paris school of economics so i moved back to uh, paris um and since then it's been a phd journey for 4 years now and yeah i'm finally done now <laughs> so i'm i'm, I'm looking for jobs and probably uh, moving to a different country next do you know which country you're moving to it's still a suspense i'm i'm trying to figure this out but uh, maybe the us uh, also apply to all over the world basically what's the dream destination uh dream job or destination because those two are different things <laughs> destination destination and destination is typically to be close to a beach so maybe california or or bali i mean bali i'm not sure i'll find a job as an economist but <laughs> so so tell me a bit more about your phd what's your phd about i sort of continued my path after uh bachelor's uh, in stephens and my economics is mostly evolved from uh, what i learned in uh, stephens and then my masters so uh, it primarily i'm not going to go get super technical because it's going to be boring <laughs> but i'm just going to give you like a, an idea of what it is so i'm specializing in uh, behavioral and development economics i'm basically interested in peer effects uh, so how friends affect friends decision and uh, uh, how that plays out in economic outcomes so I I have what we call a lab in the field experiment so I also do a little bit of experimental economics to sort of understand how um, 
you can improve uh, existing situation of communities uh, by a different method. So, I mean, I can talk more in detail about this, but yeah. I think and now I just uh, leave it at this. <laughs> no, that sounds interesting. But what is like, what does a dream job look like after after doing a PhD in in like behavioral economics? So that's a good question because that's something that I'm asking myself. <laughs> uh, so I have both behavioral and development because initially I was interested by development. And so the reason I started with behavioral is actually it started in class. I remember in one of our tutorials, uh, micro tutorials with Grewal, um, there was a, there was a, a statement or there's a sentence in the book basically which said humans are rational. And then me, I was like, no, this is not true. I mean, it was so natural. You know? I'm like, no, I'm not rational. <laughs> and so I think that, that that's where I got the inspiration of sort of moving towards more behavioral development and trying to use like real world behaviors to make sense of uh, actions. Um, so what would a typical job, like a good job look like? Um, so there, there are different ways to go about it. So I'm still trying to figure out, do I want to be in academia? So I have uh, applied for assistant professor positions or do I want to be in a policy job? So World Bank or other international organizations. So, I'm still um, finding my way around it. You, you said you're not rational. What do you think is the most irrational part of you? I think I'm very time inconsistent. So basically when I, when I make a decision at point T, I'm not sure if I'll be happy at point T plus one. No. <laughs> so I try to make the best decision given the information I have, but when I reach T plus one, I'm like, oh, look, look, look. What you done? <laughs> Said like a true economist. I, I made a decision at point T naught, and then I need to the T naught plus one, and the curve is probably you know. <laughs> oh man, I, I haven't studied. I, I genuinely miss studying economics. Are you tired of studying economics after all of these years, or do you still enjoy it? Uh, so I think it comes in waves. So sometimes I'm, sometimes I feel tired. Sometimes I'm. Uh, happy but the overall feeling is I'm, I'm still happy to like learn more and also it has evolved uh, around like what economics is and how we approach it because in 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 college it was very you know like a maths 101 micro 101 stats 101 so it was very like technical and we were just basically basically getting the skills but now it's more uh, we think in terms of research projects so it, it's a okay this is this is my question how do i approach it what methods could be interesting and like if I if there's a new method I want to try out, then I get to learn more about the method. So that, that way it's uh, interesting and always good to know what other people are doing in research and how I can sort of learn and improve my skill set. Got it. Yeah, I, I always wonder if I had not gone down this path of, you know, Bain and startups, I surely would have still been in, in like, like economics. Like I genuinely loved the subject. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think at that point of time, it was just like get a job and I've just been there. Sometimes I wonder, maybe you go back, back, back to university. I don't it's know. a TT plus one again. You're a T plus one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. So, so you've been, you've been doing PhD and I think as part of your PhD, you moved to France. Like it's so cool listening to you because you have a French accent now. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. <laughs> Of course you do. Like I still remember like Junie from university and you have like hints of the way you used to speak then, but now you have this French accent, which is <laughs> really, really cool. That's a compliment. <laughs> merci. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like my cousin who lives in France, she says merci just like that. And I'm like, I know, I know it really comes it, like it, it, being, it becomes a part of you. You know, even when I go to Nepal, I'm like, merci. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and then I'm like, pardon, because it's like very common. Like, yeah. excuse me, like, excuse me more. And then you're just like these 
small words, they just uh, get me there, basically. Yeah. Do, do you think in French or do you still think in like English or your, your, your mother tongue? I think it's a mixture. So I think mostly it's Nepali, English, uh, and then sometimes French. It's basically like there's some words like that I re- I'm really a fan of. Like, uh, for instance, the word that describes Corona for me right now, the situation is really bordel, you know. And bordel in French means it's a mess. And you can use it for everything. Like, how's your life? Bordel. How's your work? Bordel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's super interesting. Yeah, because my sister too, um, she moved to Paris. And she, I think she's been there for like maybe two, three years, I think. And she was saying the other day that now she thinks in French, which I found super fascinating because I'm like, wow, like you're, you're thinking in French, but I was just curious to know. So, so moving to, to your move from, from India to, to France, right? Um, and maybe to backtrack before that, I, I didn't know this for the longest time uh, when we were in university, but you moved from Nepal to India to study. Uh, and this was when you were in high school, right? Yeah. Um, uh, for my, when I was 16, I moved to India. Yeah. Okay. Um, is that a common thing to do? Like did, did a lot of your friends when you were growing up, you know, move or was it, was it like, so, so I think most people, uh, I think it's more and more, uh, I mean, uh, it's happening more and more now because people want like better education, better, better opportunities, networks for their kids. So they send, uh, kids to technically like to Darjeeling, to Dune, all these like big schools. Mm. And uh, and they call it like DPS, and so I think uh, not everybody, but uh, some people, uh, at least with like a pair with parents who have already sort of thought of uh, future and things like that, they they yeah. would like their kid to be in an Indian education system. And I'm sure, like if at that earlier stage, you know, moving to a new country and a new society would have taught you a lot. And and coming now, when you've moved to like France, right, which is probably like speaks a different language. Like, talk to me about that. Like, I'm sure you are very well prepared, but, but talk to me about this entire move and, and life in France. So, so I would say uh, I've learned much more by moving to France than by moving to India. <laughs> because the India to Nepal is not really a big cultural shock. Of course, like I miss my parents, my home. And, uh, but like when I moved to France, it was a completely different ballgame. You know, like France, uh, France has really changed me for, for the better. And it really has uh, sort of made me realize who I am. and. And I love the city and for what it's given me and for helping me discover myself without any um, inhibitions or boundaries, you know. So so why don't you tell me about what what do you like about like life in in Paris the most? I like that you you get to be yourself and you get to be unapologetic basically. So the freedom to, the space to be yourself and uh, uh, so I think that's what something I learned after I came back to uh, Paris, um, came to Paris because initially in India, uh, I mean, you, you can still be yourself, and, uh, but I feel like there is a lot of uh, judgment that surrounds you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, like, uh, especially like if when we were in, people like to box you, basically. I mean, this is true even all over the world, but particularly in India, they like to say, okay, the drunk girl, the, the FNIC girl, okay, the girl who parties, you know, like, so yeah. there's these different labels that people put you on. And once you're in these labels, you never get out, you know, no matter what you do, they're, they're always going to be the drunk girl. <laughs> so... So I think in that ways, um, I didn't have much of a, I didn't explore much. And uh, I mean, I, w- I was me, I was Juni, the version of Juni, who I also am now, but like coming to France sort of gave me the space to to try new things, to be like, ah, oh, okay, I could also be this version of Juni. And also, and then, you know, like Studios Juni plus this Juni, you know what I mean? It's not incompatible. That's like, uh, that's something what, what we've been taught in, I mean, not taught, but 
the common perception in India. I'll give you an example, for instance. I, I remember the first time I had a drink in France <laughs> when I had wine. Uh, and so I had wine and I, then I'd never had alcohol in my life before. Can you believe it? Oh my God. <laughs> now that I think back, you know, I'm like, oh, oh, I was missing out on a lot. But you guys should have told me, you know, in college, I keep thinking like, why didn't I party with these guys? And when they go out and like, have fun. We told you, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was in a different mind frame. But like first time I had wine and first time I went to a bar, like, so there's so many instances. And then uh, when the first time I went to a bar, I ordered a, ordered a mocktail instead of a cocktail. And now, I mean, now I think of it, I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> but, uh, and so I had like a sip and I was like, oh, am I going to get drunk? <laughs> and of course it does not work that way, you know? And then I realized, ah, okay, and it's not that. And, and you sort of get to test your limits with, uh, with alcohol, with, you know, like uh, what you like, what you don't like. And I mean, just because you start drinking does not mean you're going to be a drunk. And just because you, you party or party does not mean that you're going to like screw your life and you're going to party all the time. It's really like about finding that balance. And I think Paris has really helped me find that and, and be like, yeah, I mean, I can go out with friends, I can have drinks, uh, I can party all night long and I can, I can still go to class tomorrow and be like, you know, I'm fine. I mean, the older I get, it's harder to do that because of the hangover, of course. But, uh, I totally second the hangover part. <laughs> I, I'm not as... as uh adventurous as I would be maybe when I was in university. I'm sure the older people are like, what the hell are these guys talking about? They're not even 30. But uh, <laughs> the, the hangover is real. I know a lot of people who are, you know, 27, 28. Uh, it suddenly mm-hmm. hits you and like, oh man, like hangover is real. And they're, they're very, yeah. very frequent now. <laughs> um, exactly. It's so funny because I, we used to hang out with like friends who are um, 28 uh, into that age group. Uh, and so basically, after every like uh, like night out, let's say they they were hangover the next morning, and we used to be fine, you know. We're like, oh wow, you know, like why are they hungover, and we're so fine. And then like, bam, twenty five hits, and we're like, oh okay, now I understand. <laughs> you mentioned that it like Paris changed you, or at least helped you discover, you know, who you are, or a part of you which you know you're not explored earlier. What what are these parts? Like, what is what is these new versions of Juni, which someone who probably knew you in, in 2014 just does not know? Or, or like, what are the things you've learned about yourself, which have been like, oh, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. So I give you, I give you the family friendly version. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, what have I learned about myself? How have I changed? Huh? That's, that's an interesting question. So like one thing I, I said, uh, I think before I was very uh, hesitant. I mean, I'm still... Um, hesitant to try new things maybe before and now I'm more like oh yeah bring it on you know like oh this will be fun let's explore this uh and I'm not sure in college was I outgoing or was I was I an extrovert I was no I would say you were an extrovert yeah you know I think I've always uh, have I always enjoy like interacting with people talking to people like what do you think made this change of you know I'm now open to try new things ah yeah, yeah, new things and also there's, oh, there's this very interesting story actually, let me, let me, let me talk about that. So okay. basically, uh, I think there was a point in my life where, so this, the, I think one thing, one very important thing that Paris taught me is to set boundaries. Is to be like, you know, like set boundaries with like friends, with family and be like, I'm still learning. And this is something uh, that I also heard from uh, Tarani in her podcast, when she said, you know, like, uh, this is something I'm still learning to say no and be like, you know, okay, thank you so much. But, uh, and so I think I, I sort of struggled with that in the beginning because, I think the Asian style and the European style is very different, especially like when it comes to putting boundaries, you know, like friends in Asia, for instance, when I had to go to Kamranagar, uh, 
uh, to buy groceries, I always went to Japan. But now, I, <laughs> now it's, uh, it's like, you know, I mean, why, why was that necessary? But Comella, it was always the case that somebody was ready there for you. You know, they were like, even if they had like you know, uh, an interview tomorrow, they were busy, they would still like make this extra effort of doing, okay, I'll give you one hour, let's go, like come run over. Uh, and I think you sort of take that for granted, whereas if you move to uh, a Western country, so, and then they, and they really, people really value their personal space versus, you know, like a more common idea of uh, being friends. So you're still friends, but at the same time, you maintain your boundaries and you're like, oh, I need my personal space with friends, but, you know, so I think that's, that's something that I really learned from uh, France. And I think in a, in, in a hard way in the beginning, and then I started realizing that, oh, okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because earlier I kept saying, oh, but in, but in Nepal, it's not like this. In India, it's not like this, you know. <laughs> so it, it went from that to like, like denial to at some point it was like, it, 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 I got to the point where I was like, okay, no, no, this is, like, this is too much. Like I'm just, I'm not going to be like trying to, um, even like in the domain of friendship, trying to rather than focus, uh, focusing on like others and being social, because I love like interacting with people. But rather than trying to make new friends or, you know, uh, I would just focus on myself and I'd be like, what can I do? You know, like, uh, be, I, start, I started watching Friends. I hadn't watched Friends, <laughs> friends till then. I watched Friends and then uh, I was just like, used to go out to museums sometimes with friends and sometimes just like that and just walk around the city because it's beautiful. Paris is really, it's really well. And like, like these small things and I think it just gradually built up and, uh, and then I started partying and going out and, uh, Sort of made me realize that uh, you can you can you can balance these things. You know, it's yeah. it doesn't mean like uh, if you if you party it does not mean you're not going to be a good student. You know, it's whereas yeah. in, I think I had this conception in 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 uh, Stephen's for instance, where I was like, oh no, party party bad, alcohol bad. You know, <laughs> not having the guilt of saying no. Um, mm -hmm. It's something I think for me has also been like a learning process. I don't think I'm anywhere close to it, but it's also come with being very comfortable. You know being by yourself and being like, you know, quote unquote alone. Um, yeah. because for me at the, at, at the core of it, when I was not saying no to people and I, you know, I was keep, I kept thinking on why, like why, right. I would go out, I would spend time and I would come home and I would just feel so bad about it. And I'm like, I've just wasted my mm -hmm. day. But the next day I would not say no. And I'm like, the fear was that I'm just fear, like really, really scared of being alone, being by myself. Like nobody will like me. And I think for me, like overcoming that fear, like, and I think like living by myself, I, I moved to Singapore and this is the first time I'm, I'm living, I, I live by myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that also been like, you know, I'm very comfortable. I'm, I'm absolutely okay being alone. And that has just come with, okay, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to hang with you. Doesn't mean I don't care about you. So, but, but one thing that I want to ask you is how has family reacted to this? Because I'm sure the family is just like, Oh, what happened? <laughs> she doesn't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did have that reaction. Like, Oh, oh. What happened? <laughs> You're such a good girl in Nepal, in, in India now. <laughs> no, no, but they've been very supportive. And they're, they're, I mean, I think at the end of the day, they want me to be happy and they, they sort of want me to do well in career. And I mean, now that I finished my PhD and so, so they don't mind. <laughs> nice. They're like, yeah, it's okay. And you know, like, you can have the space and sort of, uh, but I mean, sometimes it becomes hard to draw the line, especially like with family to when to say no, because, you know, I mean, I feel like I've, um, I think it's true for all kids in uh, India and Nepal where you, you don't want to, sort of, you want to respect the opinion of your parents, but at the same time you have your opinions, so you sort of need to balance that out. And we haven't done, so. I mean, for me, for instance, I haven't done that so far in my life. <laughs> yeah. And so now it becomes like, um, how do you sort of do that? Yeah. But I'm learning. 
So what, what I'm hearing is two big changes, right? Number one, you're just like more, you know, you'll say more no. And you're like, hey, I, I'm going to put myself first and not just be a, a yes, you know, woman. And you've been just much more open to try out more things. So, and what I want to like double click on is, do you remember like an incident or something which happened, which created the shift that, Hey, I've gone from someone who's not, you know, not up for trying things to now, now I want to try stuff, like bring it on. Like, do you remember when this shift happened or, or like what caused it? So I think, um, it was, it was, uh, between between my uh, first year in masters and second year in masters, where like these three months I was in I was in Paris basically uh, for the for the summer, uh, and and I think it's like you said, uh, it's really important to like know yourself and uh, you know like know what you want, know what you don't want in order to sort of have this 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 change or even like the ability to say no, and and so I, I completely. Uh, relate to you when you say like uh, you're afraid to be alone you know like even me like in, in the beginning towards the beginning I was like hmm what do I do you know <laughs> because I've never been in that space uh, and especially like in India Nepal you're always with someone you know it's, yeah. uh, and uh, and so I think when I experienced this, uh, this the summer uh, summer of 2014 yeah summer of 2014 and I think that was the time I mean I was just like uh, starting starting to have fun let's say uh, by just like being alone, like just doing nothing and, you know, like listening to music and uh, walking around. And I think that was the time when I was like, uh, and, and I also like met a, met a good friend of mine. Um, we're, we're now good friends and I met her and, uh, and she was like, oh, yeah, you, let's go, let's go out today. Like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's go out. And so I was more like open to travel, uh, trying new things. And also what really made a difference was uh, traveling and a lot of traveling. So I did this uh, mini Europe tour where we, Went around like nine countries with my sister. I was 21 then. Yeah, I was 21 then, and I think that really um, helped me like realize, you know, like oh, it's fun, you know, doing new things, going to new uh, going to new places, and there's always so much you can learn and discover. And, and I feel like every new thing that you take up on, uh, and then like a new place you visit, it always helps um, discover yourself a bit better. Because I mean, at the end of the day, nobody nobody knows themselves perfectly. I mean. It's, it's always a process, you know, it's a... Like, I'm loving this conversation. I'm like, this is not the journey I remember. <laughs> this is not a good version. Can, can I tell you one more story? I have so many stories. Can I tell you one more story about how I started learning French? Because I think that's oh, an I interesting one. Yes. How, like, you speak fluent French, I'm assuming? Yeah, by now. It took some time. <laughs> uh, so basically, I think in, the, in my first two years of master's, actually, I was learning French, but not really absorbing it. You know, like, I was just like going to notebooks and taking courses, but uh, not, not applying in my everyday life. I feel like. uh, and then I think I went uh, to the US. I was in the US for some time when I was doing uh, consultancy, consultancy at the bank before starting my PhD. Um, and I was just hanging out with my roommates who were Nepali. Then we were in a, in a car, you know, like we picked up an Uber. Um, and then uh, the, the driver was Algerian, so he spoke French, you know. And then, then I was like very like keen to show off my French. And I'm like, hmm, bonjour. And, you know, like at that point I spoke like very broken French, you know, and then I said something in French and then the, the guy replies in English and he says, hmm, I think you need to improve your French. <laughs> and then, and then, the, and my roommates are like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, so then after that, like I, well, once, and then I came back um, uh, to France for my PhD, basically. And then I uh, basically started taking more like a detailed course and I took like courses for two years. Oh wow! And then, I, and then I, by by now I've become uh, fluent. 
So, so your LinkedIn says proficient in, in French. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, actually I haven't added that. I should. Oh, you should. Yeah. How, how do people back home, what are they saying about this new Juni? She speaks French. She's just like moved and settled down in Paris. <laughs> so I think my cousins and all, they're, they're, I think they're happy that I sort of uh, started like exploring new things and you know, like, uh, like knowing who really who I am and stuff. Uh, my parents too, I think they are, I mean, like I said, they're happy that uh, I'm, I'm doing new things. As long as I don't get off track, I, mean, off track is, I, I, I end up uh, without a job. I think. Uh, unless I'm in that situation, I think they're, they're happy that I'm, I'm doing this. I mean, of course, it also depends on um, what are we talking about. So there's the, the some things that they're okay with, uh, like for instance, drinking wine and with alcohol, they're pretty, I mean, unless I get uh, completely <laughs> wasted in front of them, which I have, by the way. <laughs> during, during the pandemic uh, but otherwise they're, they're okay and uh, they're, they're cool with it but, but are you like the talk of the town like oh wow like Juni's like in Paris and is that the case or is just like mm, okay whatever I think four years ago I was the talk of the town like when I just started my PhD and by now it's like ah oh, it's Juni when you, when you have to look back and uh, think about and clearly you know you've experienced so much I can tell you that you, you're a different person, like 100%. Um, but when you look back and you were to think about like advice, right? Which you would have given your 20 year old self now that you've seen like so much of the world, what do you think that advice would be? I actually thought of this question a lot <laughs> because I realized you asked that in, after each of your like to wrap up. Um, yeah. But now nothing, I mean, I, I can't remember what I thought of, but. <laughs> But I would basically tell my uh, twenty-year-old self to like uh, to take it easy and to not be too hard on yourself because you know, I mean, not try to be perfect all the time and doing the right thing at the all the time because I mean, there is no right thing. You know, it's uh, there, there is no one way to go about things. It's either you do it or you don't do it. You know, and yeah. if you don't do it, you take some uh, some other path and you discover new things along the line. But uh, so don't don't take yourself uh, too seriously, um, and also stand up for yourself and uh, when when something is not right or when when you don't want to go out when people want to just say no and and be like you know like um, have your voice and uh, stand up for yourself what things when you were you know maybe 20 what things do you think you were too hard on yourself um, maybe yeah maybe i think uh, we i think we all did this in college we gave a lot of uh, attention to like uh, being in societies and doing well in societies and you know like I remember putting stupid posters in all over uh, North Campus. I mean, how does that help me now? No ways, you know. <laughs> but I was like very, uh, it's, it's not even afraid to say no. I think we're also taught to uh, respect authority in some ways. And like if the, if the president is saying, oh, you do this, you, you, don't, you don't question them back, you know. Uh, so I think, I, I mean, looking back, I would do things differently and I'd be like, no, I'm not going to put posters because I have better things to do, you know. <laughs> if you want to throw me out of the society, okay, it's your call. But so I would be like more okay with uh, being rejected from a society. Uh, and probably I would, um, I was also hard on myself with, uh, with, uh, with college maybe with like, you know, like focusing on studying and getting the right grades and doing the right things to, to have sort of a certain career path. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's not the time in the library that you remember, you know, it's the time you spent with friends, you know. Like when we did EcoSoc and we did, we did uh, not even the society was like just like hanging out with friends, like these small incidents and learning from them that really makes a difference. So 
I think to really cherish that rather than uh, to be too focused on doing the right thing and getting the right path. Yeah. Because the path will like it'll it'll form its own. I mean, once you once you take up a particular path, I think you just build it as you go, like you improvise. And I think it's fun in, in improvising. I mean, I'm saying that now, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's very valuable. I think when, when we're in it, we forget this, but it's lessons that I think all of us have learned firsthand. And I think it's important for us to constantly remind ourselves because like I know myself, you know, two years down the line, I'm going to be cursing and cribbing. And then I just need to listen to me talking <laughs> like two years ago. And I'd be like, Ruben, you already knew this. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it's always good to take a step back and, and remind yourself uh, on the stuff you've learned. And yeah, like mm-hmm. I think hearing it from people you, you know and you're close to and people you trust, I think just constantly reminds you of that. So, so yeah. Do, do you have a question for me to, before we wrap this up completely? Uh, maybe ask you the same question. So what, would, what advice would you give your 20-year-old uh, self uh, now that you look back? Except the, the saying no part because that's already covered. And discovering yourself, that's also already covered. <laughs> um, what advice would I give myself? Oh man, I thought I would, when you were asking that question, I thought I would have the answer snapped because I asked everyone. I know, right? <laughs> oh man. I think like the caveat being, I'm, I'm quite happy with how the last, you know, 10 years have panned out. All what has happened has got me to where I am today. Um, And I'm very happy with that. But if I had to look back and give myself advice, I think back to what we were saying earlier, right? Just at the end of the day, you know, you're the, like the most important relationship you have to build is with yourself. True. Exactly. You know, the faster you realize that, the faster, you know, a lot of other things happen. Like you're not too worried about what people have to say. You're not too worried mm-hmm. about you know, feeling, getting like the sense of rejection, you know, yeah. and in such important like aspects in life, whether it be, you know, friends, whether it be, you know, the company you work at or whether it be, you know, you're trying to start a company and, you know, nobody really cares about it. I think if I knew that earlier um, and maybe, you know, you only learn that through experience. I don't know if somebody saying it, you know, will allow you to really comprehend it. But maybe Mm -hmm. the advice I would give my 20 year old self is like, learn to be happy in your own skin, learn to be happy being alone. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you're an introvert doesn't mean that you're a, like a somebody who's, you know, not part of society and things like that. Like, I think by being really comfortable with yourself, knowing who you are actually makes you a better part of relationships, actually makes you a better part of an organization, actually makes you a better part of society. Um, That would be the advice. And thank you for asking that. I did not, I did not think it would be that hard for me to come up with something. You put it, you put it, put it up very elegantly, by the way. You put me in the spot. That's the first time that's happened. (laughs) But, uh, but for sure, I I agree with you. And I was also thinking, is it, is it because, I mean, is it, we uh, we were not very uh, thinking about like being comfortable on ourselves, learning more about self. Is it because the society sort of frowns on it? I'm not sure because, uh, you know, like being in, in, in Asian parts. So when, whenever you talk in terms of I, and I want to do this and, you know, people automatically uh, like uh, shame you as being selfish. You're like, oh, you're selfish. You only think about yourself, you know, but yeah. that's not the point. You know, I mean, it's not me being selfish. I'm just doing what's best for me. I mean, which in other words, that's, yeah. that's what it translates to in, in like our part of the world. Yeah. Whereas like in, 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 like in France and in like in this Western part of the world, it's like, yeah, just do what you need to do for yourself, you know. And then like, once you, you've got that covered, then you think about, you know, how can I then, because you cannot pour from an empty cup. You know, it's a, this is a quote I picked up from Instagram. 
that's a good one you can't pour from an empty cup that's amazing wow thank you so much for taking time to do this and you have no clue how much i've loved this conversation i was quite nervous because like we haven't spoken for like 7 years and it's crazy but it does not feel that i have not spoken to you or met you for 7 years it's been absolutely no right yeah exactly it feels like we just uh, started where we left off you know it's so thank you so much for having me noro and i look forward to your dj set <laughs> yeah and i really look forward to meeting you soon yeah 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 for sure i'm i'm awesome. first thing I, i'll come to east asia once this uh, thing gets sorted the corona please the corona bordel <laughs> corona bordel and that's a wrap thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast on next week's episode the last time where i felt like a proper like bullshitter was when i went to uh, with google gurgaon two three years back we went to uh, iim ahmedabad to recruit for the role i was in <laughs> and i was giving a presentation over there and i was just like in my head i was like one i would have never gotten into these colleges and then the amount of shit i was talking about they were asking me questions about uh, uh, you know how does google think about marketing and uh, uh, i'm fairly good at paraphrasing so i was just like you know if you if you if you see the way our founders larry and sergey have built this company if you remember the campaigns from the past and all of that then uh, obviously they were very impressed so half of them were impressed with your speaking in english and like your come from google and all but that's when i was just like this is uh, like all of this is a scam that's a snippet from my conversation with rajat i upload new episodes every friday and i'll see you in the next one